Welcome to Find the Magic, the podcast that will help you honor yourself, your kids, and your partner. We'll give you tips and strategies to create peace and authenticity within your family. We inhale a ridiculous amount of books and life tools and distill the information for you. I'm Terrilyn Griffin. I'm Caitlin Gabriel. And I'm Felicia Allen. Let's find the magic together. Is a classroom the best way to teach your children how to be curious, creative, and entrepreneurial? Of course not. Real learning comes from doing. Welcome to the Children's Business Fair, a one-day event where young people can launch and showcase a business. You'll be amazed by what children can accomplish, and it's a great way to bring your neighborhood to life. Launching a Children's Business Fair is easier than you think and free. We'll even throw in $500 of prize money. Find out more at podcast.childrensbusinessfair.org. Hey everyone, Caitlin here. I'm going to start us off with our high fives and face palms and mine is a high five. So last summer I had wanted to get a baby bike seat because Felicia, you guys were yeah. like, you guys were biking everywhere Yeah. and Parker had like a bike trailer and then the bike seat on the front and then Felicia was pregnant. So it was just like <laughs> the whole fam was so doing this biking thing and I was like, oh, that'd be really fun to do. But then summer came and went and I never like initiated anything. But this time, I was like, no, I want a bike seat, and I'm going to enjoy. Because I actually live in a very flat neighborhood, so it's even easier to bike because I don't so live. It's so fun biking around with a little kid on the yeah. bike. Yeah, and so I was like, Emmett would love this, and it'd be a fun way for us to get, because again, I always love getting outside, so I was like, this would be a really fun way for us to get out. Anyway, so I got a bike, a baby bike seat carrier, and we put it on, and we've done a couple of rides, and he loves it. And whenever we stop, he'll be like, more. Mo bike. So it's really cute. And I was like, is he going to keep his helmet on? Because whenever I try to put a hat on him now, he just rips it off immediately. I just wasn't sure if he was really going to jive with the helmet thing, but that was a must if we were going to do it. He knows it's part of the situation. Mm -hmm. And so it's just been so fun. It's been a total high five. And this is like the perfect weather for it because it's not too hot during the day. So we can go whenever. Totally. We can go in the morning, but we can go in the afternoon. So anyway, it's been great. So now we live where it's mostly hills. So biking is really tricky like you either have to drive to somewhere to bike or you have to bike down the hill and then just know it's gonna be horrible because you don't have to bike back up or walk back up mm -hmm. but in our old neighborhood which was flat I would put I had a bike trailer and then the bike seat and I would put Conan Lennon in the bike trailer and Sunny in the seat and we'd bike everywhere we'd bike so to the fun. store get a treat it is so fun and it's so much easier than walking. Mm -hmm. You bike to get my a house, lot further. Bike over to Terrellens. Mm -hmm. oh. Which is no longer, we're probably the same distance apart now, but it's <laughs> just up a huge less. hill. There's a mountain in between. <laughs> oh, benefits of hills and downsides to hills. Mm -hmm. All right, so my high five is that we finally found a house. Woohoo! That was a lot. So that's a giant high five. It'll be a lot of work, but it's fun work. Yeah. <laughs> Have you seen, I'll link it, the Johnson Files? He's like, oh, I just saw gosh. it. About real estate. I right just now. saw it. It's so hilarious. we live in Utah. Real estate right now is like going out of control. And he does the thing about, I have an apple to sell. Does anybody want an apple? And people are like paying like $120 <laughs> for this apple representing houses. And yeah, it's just That's a, how it is it's a zoo right now. You know, so, I shared that and people from all over the country, our listeners were saying, 
it's like that where I am too. It's crazy. You know, like relative to their market. So sending good vibes to anyone looking for a house right now. But congratulations that you actually found one that you love. And I love it. And it's still close to us, so I'm thrilled. Yeah, it's very close. It's got an amazing view. I can't wait to actually go inside it. I've seen it from the outside, but I'm excited to go in. Yeah. It's beautiful. Okay, well, mine is a facepalm that has happened many times to me in my life. So this is a repeat, but it turned out very serendipitous. So (laughs) I, you know, I've done this many times. I forgot shoes. So we show up to record this morning, and I've now, it's starting to become warm. So I'm now, I've switched from my flats, my my Rothy's that are like, you know, made from recycled material that I get to just throw in the washer. Those are my winter shoes that I keep <laughs> in. To be clear, they aren't winter shoes. <laughs> yeah. And they get all slushy and stuff, so I can just wash them, right? But they're just slip-ons. So those stay in my car. Well, now we've switched to springtime shoes, which are my jellies, or as I call them, my jalopies that Jeff got me. They were my high five from a few times ago. Anyway, and I'm loving them, right? They could just stay in my car. But last night, I think I brought them in my house. So when we got here... They weren't in my car. So I pull up and I'm like, and when we walk into this office building, guys, to to our little recording studio, there's nobody there when we first get there. But when we leave, there's people working. So I'm like, I don't want to be walking through their whole office space without shoes. That's totally unprofessional. And we already walk out very unpresentable. I'm usually in onesie <laughs> pajamas. No joke. We're coming at five in the morning. I feel like we come out of a dark cave. <laughs> Everyone's there. The lights are on. We're like, Party. I know. I'm not kidding you. 90% of the time, I'm wearing my onesie fleece pajamas with like a coat and a hood. So yeah, I'm not looking great anyways. But the no shoes, I felt like was maybe crossing a line. Looking like a homeless person crawling out of crawling out of a hole. <laughs> so, but Felicia couldn't find her keys this morning. So now we're all crouched in a car outside of the office building using there so we can have Wi-Fi. So if you hear cars going by, it's because we're recording from a car. But the upside to this is I don't have to walk through an office building with no shoes. So. <laughs> no shame. Yeah. So no it worked out very well, Felicia. Thank you for not being able to find the keys. Because although I empathize with that. Oh, yeah. Man. I Though I we hope, hope you do find them. Yes. We hope you do find them later today. So today we are going to start with some listener questions. We had a lot of really great ones come in from Instagram and from our reviews. So we have a couple that we're going to go through. First that I'm going to start with is from our friend Adrian. So she says, I feel like I have been torn with mom guilt with taking time for myself. How can I better coexist with my baby? How can I not feel selfish for setting boundaries? And then kind of along with that, this is actually another question that we got that we feel like kind of goes well with this how do you be better at finding yourself or reinventing yourself once your kids are less reliant on you and off to school so we feel like these kind of go together so we're going to talk a little bit about both of those and I love both these questions I feel like probably most parents but specifically mothers probably grapple with this a little bit and I think first to dive into Adrian's question I felt you know, this the most strongly with my first because you have another person there and if you are staying at home with them, they can express their needs to you and they can see that you're choosing, you know, to take a shower or go to the bathroom or cook dinner or whatever the thing is that you want to do. They can see you and they can see that, oh, well, she could, she could choose to pick me up or choose to help me. And, you know, they will just sit there and cry and request that from you whereas when you have more kids and they still will express that need but it's a little bit easier to say you know I'm feeding the baby or I'm helping your other sibling with this or you're off in another room doing something so it gets I feel like it softens it a little bit the more kids you have Mm -hmm. it's less maybe noticeable but I can say that just to I guess you don't need permission but it's like 
give you permission to take that time for yourself and to know that it's not being selfish. You shouldn't feel, you know, that intense guilt about that because we do need to set those boundaries with our kids. So I think just having that reminder that it's okay, they they can and they probably will feel upset about it, but you don't need to like layer on that guilt. Yeah, exactly. And I totally agree with that because only having one child, it is really easy because you are there to be able to meet those needs. So I totally agree with everything that you just said. And I think with certain things, so like if you have a boundary of going to the bathroom by yourself, like that's a boundary for you or shower time, obviously usually needs to be by yourself. It's hard to shower with other children or babies Mm -hmm. with you. I think like if that is a boundary for you that it's like, I really need this time to just like go pee by myself. And if you have a baby that is going to cry for like the three minutes that it takes, I think something like if, if that's a boundary for you, if you don't really care, then that's fine. You don't need to set that boundary. But if you do like, I really just, this is like something for me, like a self care thing for me, then like know that you've met their needs, you know, whether it's like feeding them, their diapers change, whatever. And it's okay to maybe just like set them right outside the door and say, I'm going to go to the bathroom and it's okay. Like if, if you feel sad, it's okay to feel sad. I'll be back. And then you do it. And if they cry the whole time, maybe those first couple of times might be not as enjoyable for you. Cause you're just hearing them cry and you might feel some of those feelings come up. But I think again, giving yourself permission that it's like, this is, it's okay. They are, they're not dying. Like mm-hmm. I have met their needs. Mm-hmm. This is a few minutes that I'm taking for myself. Both you and Tara Lynn, both of you guys have said this, but thinking of it as sometimes as like an independence muscle in their brain of almost them realizing I actually am okay. Like mom said she was going to go. That was, I was sad, but then she came back and like, you're only, I mean, it's kind of good to test it in that situation because it's only a few minutes. They are safe. They are okay. So I think just giving yourself permission with those boundaries that you feel like you need to set, just feeling okay about it and realizing if they do cry just, and you can acknowledge, like, I can see that you're really sad that I left or that I'm leaving And it's okay to be sad, but I'm still going to go to the bathroom by myself. Mm -hmm. I think you can fully give yourself permission to do that. And I think sometimes too, with things like cooking dinner, there is, there's been times where sometimes I do just carry Emmett around, whether that's like safe or not, but some, if he wants to be held, but sometimes it really is like, I can't hold him and feel like I'm being safe with making what I'm making. Or it's just hard. Yeah. Or yeah. Like I literally, I really need both hands to do it. And so he'll just sit on the ground and there has been times where he'll cry for Mm -hmm. honestly a few minutes just at my feet and I will just acknowledge like Mm -hmm. I can see that you're really sad and you want me to pick you up and like it's okay to be sad and that's really all you need to do you don't need to like take those emotions on you can just acknowledge it and then say like I can pick you up when I'm Mm -hmm. done anyway I think it doesn't really I'm sure those needs just change as they get older you know when they're babies they're manifesting that in one way as they become toddlers they might not manifest those needs and maybe show it in different ways but I think recognizing really is just giving yourself permission and you can still acknowledge like I can see you're sad about this and it's okay to be sad. For me I didn't really care so much about the bathroom thing when my kids were little like it just wasn't like a priority for me but I totally respect if you're feeling like you need some privacy time I get it but it's interesting as my kids have gotten older it has become a more thing for me like Mm -hmm. I'm like I would like some privacy we're gonna stop the conversation because they'll just chat they just keep chatting and chatting and chatting like I want to focus like I want to enjoy myself here yeah so it's interesting because it used to not be a boundary for me but now it is like I'll say I'm going to shut the door I need some privacy alone Mm -hmm. for a few Mm -hmm. minutes and I mean my kids are old enough now they're not like crying and sticking their fingers underneath the door right but I mean my youngest, he's four, and he's, like, pacing outside, like, mm-hmm. waiting for me to come out so he can finish his story, you know? <laughs> That's so cute. But, and another thing, just on that, 
I wanted to say when you have a baby, something that I found, and Adrian, this goes along with taking time for yourself. I think, I mean, we talked about bathroom. We talked about taking a shower. For me, shower, I always feel better once I, from here I bathe, but, and for me, I actually ended up just doing it while my kids were sleeping because I want a long bath. But a five minute shower can also do a lot to make you feel better. I mean, I think that is super. Whatever your cleaning yourself ritual is, that is, you can just put aside any guilt you have there. That is, I am taking care of myself. It's a non-negotiable. It is okay for you to cry while I do that. And it's, it, we're both going to be okay, right? Mm-hmm. But I just want to add that for me, I actually found there were times, especially when, I found this really a lot with my first baby and my second. I don't know why. Maybe it's because you're just pouring in so much and it's new. I'm not sure. But there were times where I could just feel myself losing it like I've been you know talking to a baby all day and then she'd start crying and I would be like I'm I'm gonna start crying myself like this Mm -hmm. I need just a little and it's funny because first babies I mean they sleep a lot so I don't know why I felt this so much but I remember distinctly several times feeling like I need just I need to step away like I need some time away my patient skin is gone I'm feeling kind of understimulated. I'm feeling a little lonely, maybe. So I'm going to switch it from lonely to solitude, right? Lonely is the misery of being alone, and solitude is the glory of being alone. And sometimes with a baby, you feel that. You feel a little lonely. And so I remember there was a few times where, like, I, like, made sure she was safe again. Like, her diaper was changed. She wasn't hungry. And I would sit in her crib, and she'd cry. And I just walked out of the room for a few minutes and maybe had a good cry myself. But, like, Mm -hmm. I wanted to cry by myself Mm -hmm. and not with her. And it didn't happen a lot, but I just want to throw that out there that... It might not be for, mm-hmm. I need a shower or I need to eat some food. Like sometimes you just need a little bit of space and that's okay to set a boundary mm-hmm. for that too. And again, you've met their needs. They're in a safe space. I think the crib is a safe place to be like, mm-hmm. you know, or a play I, pen if you have one I need a little room. break myself mm-hmm. and it's okay. I'm just giving you permission. Not that it's mine to give, that you can give yourself permission though. Right. That sometimes we all need a little bit of space and caring for ourselves can look like taking five or so minutes by ourselves somewhere else even when our kid isn't happy and so I'm just just letting you know that for me as I read this I was thinking of those important things like showering but I think it also can be just sometimes you just need a little bit of space and still with my kids now I mean sometimes I will be okay guys I mean we have quiet time in place every day so I actually already have this built into my day now but there are some times where I'm like guys you know everybody just take a little break you know maybe the kids are fighting or whatever I'm like everybody just just take a little break I turn on some soothing music, I go into my room, they go into their different areas. And so I still set that boundary. Just sometimes I need a little bit of space. And I don't do it in like a, everybody out, I need space. I don't want to be with you. Don't let me see your face. Don't let me hear you breathe. You know, Mm -hmm. it's just like, okay, you know, I'm feeling like, I'm feeling like I need a little bit of space. And I I think you might be needing some too. So I think you can set that boundary at any age and it's beautiful. And you're teaching your kids that your boundaries are important and your space is important and your mental health is important and therefore the cool thing about this is that they will internalize that all those things are important for them too because that's the only way to teach it to them is by doing it ourselves it's the only way if we tell them that they are important and we are not guess what they're going to internalize that they are not important because that's what we showed them by modeling it right yeah so absolutely so with that the reason why we thought that the The other question, finding yourself or reinventing yourself once your kids are less reliant on you and off to school. The reason why I think this goes so well in here is because when you do have younger kids that are very dependent and they're all home from school, it it is like that is a lot of your time and it can be maybe easy to not set, when I say boundaries, like maybe setting aside some time 
and space for yourself to maybe develop in ways that you're interested in. And I think when you have small babies and stuff, that time is going to look a lot smaller that then when your kids do go to school, you're going to have a lot more time and maybe some space to be able to develop those things. And so I think this has been touched on before, like in the, in our podcast, but I think just remembering too, that even with do take time for yourself, not only for like that self care, but just to develop pieces of yourself that you're interested in, whether it's maybe you're interested in like baking cakes or writing or painting or something that you feel like maybe fuels you take that time now so that then as your kids do start to like grow and become less dependent then you kind of have like a place to move from from there you know yeah I have a couple tips for that we have an episode called finding pockets of peace but kind of like building in those little moments in your day where you can have some space but my two tips for that are one if you're focused on connecting with your kids in the caregiving moments or so the times throughout the day when you are interacting with them if you are really just putting filling up their love bucket connecting whatever you want to call it being present I feel a lot less guilt about the space in between Mm -hmm. because I know I was intentional Mm -hmm. I'm like and they in it when I'm reading the books. Because right. they're not feeling neglected when you do close the door or right. the bathroom. Right. Yeah. Totally. You gave them the wholehearted and wholehearted attention instead of half. Totally. Yeah. And then, um, you know, it's kind of like the whole quality over quantity thing. Sometimes you look ahead at a day with a baby or toddlers and babies and you're, you almost feel like this lack, like, I've got to preserve this energy. So I'm all, I can only give a little bit in these interactions. But if I go all in in the times when, you know changing their diaper, bathing them, feeding them, then I feel like in between we can have those spaces. And that kind of ties into the coexisting with your baby. This is something that, it's a word that I think in my mind a lot and it plays to when I've talked about thinking about how our grandparents would have parented and thinking about how, you know, you can picture these times of like, uh, their life was way less convenient than ours. They're baking bread. They're making pies. They're cleaning their house. They're doing laundry for like hours because they're like wringing it all out. And you can, I just have like this like whimsical picture in my mind of like, then the kids are like the baby's sitting over just like playing with a spoon or like, you know, falling asleep in the grass or whatever. And our lives are a lot different now. But I think just remembering that we are a family unit and I can be cooking dinner without also entertaining you, baby. Or, you know, like, I can be showering while you have your little books that you're looking through. You don't have to play with, entertain, facilitate your babies or your toddlers or your kids whole day. Mm-hmm. And I think if I remember that, like, we can coexist and be here together in our family unit without me being the train that's, like, pushing you to the next thing, which is something that Terrilyn says a lot. It really helps me. Like, that is okay. Mm-hmm. Let it go a little bit. And you can find those pockets to, you know, we call it our back burner and we use our journal to kind of keep track of like, ooh, one day I really would like to publish a book. And so in my pocket of peace today, I'm going to work on my writing in that moment when I have a little time for myself, I'm going to work on my art or whatever. Mm -hmm. And that really helps you kind of keep that little flame burning on your back burner. Yeah. And again, we'll, we'll link that episode, but the metaphor I always think of is... We, always, we use the word incubate. You're incubating something for the future. It doesn't mean you might not be writing a book right now, but you are practicing your writing. Mm-hmm. You might not be becoming a pickable champion right now, but you might be once a week going and playing 
pickleball, whatever, you know, whatever your thing is. But so you're incubating or I like to, I like to look at it like a fire. Like you might not be full blown doing the thing you're going to be doing in 10 years when your kids are older, but you're keeping the embers, you're still blowing on them a little bit to keep and for me that actually looks like reading books I listened to a lot of books during that stage because I still wanted my mind to be growing and I wanted to be learning so that when I did come back to doing more things for myself I hadn't just like stopped mm-hmm. completely mm-hmm. so it's like you're like blowing on the embers for when you bring back flames and the thing that came into my mind Felicia I love 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 your tip about I think the key to any time you're setting space for yourself is are you connecting in the other times mm-hmm. Because if you're connecting the other times, it's going to go so much better. Mm -hmm. The thing that came to my mind was I think we do sometimes think, especially when we have little tiny babies, that the baby is the whole person and their space takes up the whole space in our home, right? Mm -hmm. Everything we do surrounds them. We are like figuratively bowing to their every Mm -hmm. (laughs) will, right? Mm -hmm. But the idea that came to me is, when we talk about coexisting, it's that we are all whole people, mm-hmm. not just our babies. Because I think sometimes there's a school of thought of babies aren't whole people. And then respectful parenting has come along and said, no, they are people who deserve respect. But I think we can go too far on the permissive spectrum and that they are the entire thing. They're the king of mm-hmm. the whole house, the royalty, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I think the beauty is that we actually can show our children at a very young age that no, I am actually a whole person too. And I matter too. And I matter. You matter and I matter. And I feel like a broken record here, but I just want to emphasize that is actually how we teach our children that they matter is -hmm. by showing them respect, but also showing our self-respect. We can't just do one or the other. We can't just care about ourselves and not care about them and expect that to go well for their self-worth. But we also can't only value them and not value ourselves and expect them to have self-worth. We are a combination of showing, modeling, we are whole, we respect ourselves, and we give respect. Brene Brown says we cannot give to others what we don't give to ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I think that they're both so crucial. So I love it. The idea of coexisting, I have tasks that I'm doing, and it might not be meeting your needs every single second. Mm -hmm. And you might cry a little bit, but guess what? When I am with you, I am going to be totally connecting with you, giving you eye contact, when I'm changing your diaper, when I'm feeding you, all those kinds of things. And I think it's just so beautiful because you're really modeling what it looks like to be whole and respect somebody else as whole as well. And I think that can start with a newborn. It's beautiful and carry on until they're adults. Hey, just a little break to bring you our newest sponsor on Vive. And you know, we only bring you sponsors that we know, trust, and use. On Vive is an online health and wellness company that specializes in making healthy living easier. They have a variety of products from health and dietary supplements to bath and beauty products. I personally use their apple cider vinegar, which helps with digestion and promotion of healthy gut bacteria. And... What is more, OnVive is giving away a Mercedes-Benz SUV plus $10,000 cash right now. This SUV fits three car seats. So it's a luxury SUV made into a daily driver to get you and your family to appointments, soccer games, piano recitals, all the things in style. So right now, with every dollar you spend on OnVive's website, you get three entries towards winning the Mercedes plus the cash. So for example, if you buy one bottle 
bottle of the apple cider vinegar, which I use, you'll get 90 entries towards winning the car. Their giveaway ends June 1st, so time is running low. Make sure you follow them on Instagram at OnVibeLife and head over to their website, OnVibe.com, to get entered to win today. Don't forget, when you purchase your product to use code MAGIC15 for 15% off your order. Head over to our show notes for all the details and a quick link to get there. Hey everyone, Caitlin here. I just want to thank you all for listening to Find the Magic. We are so, so thankful for you, our amazing listeners, and we think of you as some of our best friends. This was a review that I read recently that I absolutely loved. It said, the only podcast I religiously listened to, this podcast saved my motherhood. I listen doing laundry, walking, making dinner, sneaking those AirPods in so no one bothers me wherever I can. The mamas are like having coffee with best friends. And can I just insert here? I love this. Amen. They keep it so real. And during the pandemic, bless you girls, this time is so challenging. Sometimes I feel like I am barely getting by, but they make me laugh because they remind you that everyone is going through this thing called life and motherhood even now. Hugs and love from MJ. I just absolutely love this review and these reviews mean the world to us and we read every single one of them. So not only do they mean so much to us, but they actually really do help us here at Find the Magic. So I want to invite you guys, if you haven't already left a review for the podcast, we would love for you to because it truly does help us grow the podcast. And we just want to thank you all our friends for listening and for being here with us. All right, our next question is from Jenny. And she asks, what do you do when kids start being sneaky or trying to hide things? Um, I love this question because I think everyone experiences this and you can get into this mind game of like, oh no, is my kid now going to lie to me about everything or be a liar? So my, my best tip for this is really to avoid, I would say first in your mindset, just know your kids are gonna do this. It's not a big deal. They're, they're gonna test it out. They're going to test out, you know, do I have this power? Like, what does this mean? They're curious. So just take that off your shoulders. And then my second tip would be just to try not to label it or make it a really big deal. For me, I don't use the word lie, but my kids are still little. And as they get older, they kind of learn that word and use it themselves. But I try not to be like, you were lying to me or you were hiding from me or you're being sneaky I can tell I I try not to draw attention to that part of it because that's like our adult brain turning it into that and you don't want them to identify with I am a liar I'm a sneaky person right right and they're more just like testing something out so it sounds like you probably know maybe you saw the thing happen or you just know that they did the thing whatever snuck some chocolates out because they've got it all over their face (laughs) and so I like to really just try to make it light and to show them it's not a big deal and I know so oh I see you had some chocolates we're not going to have that before dinner and put it away instead of you snuck the chocolates like you know you're not supposed to have those before dinner why didn't you ask or you know like turning it into a big deal it's like removing the power from it Mm -hmm. so when they say with chocolate on their face no i didn't eat the chocolate you're almost like not even (laughs) bringing attention to the fact that what they said isn't truth you're just recognizing i see the truth so you're not getting away with anything here right but i'm just going to move on without shame of like 
oh my gosh, I can't believe you're lying to me. Mm-hmm. And going along with that though, um, I don't think there's anything wrong with having consequences for whatever the thing is, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, if it's like, okay, well, for, so for me, I hate to admit this, but so I just keep my iPads in a place where they can't even get to them. But every once in a while, we'll leave one out for whatever reason. And one of my kids, specifically my two younger boys, they'll take it and go and play a game and I'll find them, you know, like sitting behind the couch. And, and I really, this is so, and I'm just, so you guys know, I'm embarrassed to admit this because you guys know my stance on screen time. So I am like petrified, but I don't want them to feel shame and feel like they have to hide it. Cause clearly they feel like they have to, cause they know that my rules on screen time are they only get a little bit of time on Friday. Right. Mm-hmm. So they know if it's a Tuesday, they know they shouldn't be. So that's why they're hiding it. So I don't want to add any more shame to the situation. So for me, sometimes I'll say, um, you know, for example, like if he like sets the iPad down, like walks away, I'll be like, oh, you're on the iPad. No, I wasn't. Okay. I can see you were. So I'm recognizing, I see what truth is, right? Mm -hmm. You were, but it is not iPad time because it's not a Friday. It's not our window. Mm -hmm. So I just calmly, like with no upset, I just take it because the consequences, you don't get a habit, right? Like lying isn't going to help you. So I'm just going to take it and I go and I put it in the place where they don't know where it is. And I say to myself, dang it, why did I leave it out? (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) But for me, there's nothing wrong with lying isn't going to get them anything, but I'm not bringing attention or extra shame because the more shame we bring to the situation, the more they're going to want to hide things from us. Right. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes they want to hide things from us if we've had a really strong reaction before and with a lot of shame. Mm -hmm. So for me, there's nothing wrong with saying, Okay, I'm still gonna hold my boundary here, but I'm just acknowledging that. Okay, I see. I see what the truth is here, but I'm not going to like overly belabor the sneakiness of it, right? Mm-hmm. And you yeah. can really apply that to anything where there still might be a boundary that you have to hold. But and as my kids get older, with my little tinies, this doesn't work. But I mean, with my girls, and it's cute because I hear them talking about it sometimes now. I'll say if there's ever something that you do that you know is wrong. I still want you to be able to tell me about it. There might be consequences for what you did, but it's always going to be better telling me the truth than not telling the truth because a lie just makes things worse. So for example, if you break a neighbor's window, there's still gonna be a consequence there, right? Like you're gonna probably have to earn money to pay for the window. But as your parent, just so you know, I'm on your side and you telling me the truth is going to help and I can help you in any way I can, there'll still be a consequence though. But if you lie about it, it's just gonna make it harder and harder and harder. So as a get older we have conversations like that and it's really really cute I mean I love it when like my girls will say things like well yeah I could tell you anything because you're on my side yeah. so it's going to be better telling you the truth right I'm like yes <laughs> right yes. righto <laughs> but with my little with my little boys like it's just as simple as oh I see the truth here and I just continue on with whatever boundary or whatever but there is no like are you lying to me mm-hmm. are you lying to me mm-hmm. because I don't I I don't want to overly emphasize I don't want them to identify with being a liar. Yeah. There's a really great article. There's a couple from Janet Lansbury's blog, and she really touches on some of this. And one of the things that she says is, just to echo what you said, Terilyn, is that shaming or punishing children for lying creates distance and mistrust, which only encourages kids to lie better. So I think approaching it from this place of non-judgmental, and calmly just addressing the situation like I can see that this happened and yeah you can still have the natural consequence it's not like you're just blowing it off like whatever you can still have that and hold that but you can just come at it from a place of non non non-judgment and with a calm 
demeanor. And what she also talks about is like with little kids, I think we've already mentioned this, but it is actually kind of a normal part of development. They're just kind of exploring what this does. And there might be a lot of reasons why they do it. Some of it might be fear. Like they might be a little scared because in Pat in the past, maybe we've responded in a way that, you know, with anger or something, it could be out of shame, blame, and embarrassment. It could be um, that they just kind of want to see how we're going to react. Like they just want to ruffle our feathers and maybe see like, what are you going to do if I say these things? And, um, so I think just recognizing it. And I think that takes away some of the power because as adults, when an adult lies, we see it as, oh my gosh, like that's really not good. So I think when we see it in our children, we almost are, are seeing it as this way bigger thing than it actually is for them. This is just part of exploring what happens when I say this or I do this, that isn't true. So I think that's definitely something. And I can actually remember as a kid, I remember doing something. I don't know. Like, I think I was either, it was something along the lines of either like playing with Play-Doh in the dining area, which was like where I shouldn't, it was something like that, where it was like, I was doing something that I shouldn't be doing. And I remember my mom like catching me in the act. I was probably four. And I remember her like catching me and I knew I wasn't supposed to do it. And she was like, oh, like, I don't remember exactly what she said, but it was kind of like, what's going on here? And I was like, and I remember as a kid almost having the thought of like, I want to say like, like I didn't do it even though I was doing it right there. <laughs> and I like wanted to say that because it was like, oh, like I don't want to get in trouble. Then I was like, this is what I did. And I just said whatever it was. And it was the truth, which I'm not saying that I always did that. And I remember how my mom reacted was just like, okay, yeah, like we know that we don't do that. Da, da, da. But it wasn't like a big reaction And I could tell it was like she valued that I had said the truth. And I think she even like said something along those Mm -hmm. lines. So I think also recognizing maybe when your kids do tell the truth, giving them that like Mm -hmm. positive reinforcement of like, yeah, like we still have the natural consequences. We're not going to play with Play-Doh in this area when they do Mm -hmm. tell the truth. Also, maybe reinforcing that positively because I can I like can remember that feeling as a kid. I also think if your kids are playing around with this when they're little and Jenny, I know you're I think you have a little boys around like three. If he's playing around with this a lot. I think you can turn it really light and almost like humorous where, so, you know, my three-year-old, he hops in the back and I'm like, all right, is everybody buckled up? And he's like, yes. And he's not buckled. Like I'll turn around. I'm like, oh, did the buckle fairy unbuckle you? You know? Mm -hmm. So like turning it light Mm -hmm. almost into like a little, oh, you put your shirt on? What happened? Did it disappear? So those kind of things I think can really take that pressure off of it for both of you because mm-hmm. totally. they're just experimenting yeah. yeah and you can keep it light and I just want to add here we've had some listener questions about imaginary play like people are worried that their kid is pretending to be an airplane like they're really convinced that they're a fairy or something and Jenna Lansbury talks about this too but I think when you're in the realm of imagination or she even says visualizing mm-hmm. I know several kids who do this visualizing different outcomes like I won that game mm-hmm. they didn't really win the game mm-hmm. right they just think and you know that they didn't yeah, win the game. You didn't win the game. You saw the score. They did not win the game. But her thing is, let them visualize it. And instead of focusing on, no, the score was 10 to 9, and I saw you lost. Mm-hmm. If they say, did you see we won 30 to 0? And you know that's not the right score. Instead of, like, focusing on that, you can just say, tell me about how you felt while you were playing. Oh, yeah, I noticed you made that basket. You worked really hard for that. What about when you fell over? How'd you feel? You know what I mean? Like, just honestly, just like you just skirt past it. Let them keep that what they're they're trying to build up their own confidence for the future yeah so that the next she recommends that which was helpful to me because I know several kids who do that and I wasn't I actually had a friend ask me that and I wasn't sure what to say so that's helpful and then the other one was with imagination imagination is they're literally just experimenting with the power of their own mind so if they believe that they're a fairy for a few days it's fine yeah it's great there's a few times in your life where you get to really believe you're a fairy so (laughs) 
for me, <laughs> all of those things is just let it. It's so fun. Yeah. I mean, I had my third, so he's my first boy, my third child. When he was like three, he was convinced he had an imaginary friend named Barry. He was a dragon. And I mean, he'd make up all sorts of stories about Barry. And mm-hmm. it was so fun. And I mm-hmm. kind of miss it. So mm-hmm. yeah, I think that kind of stuff isn't even in the realm of what we're talking about with lying but it does come up and we've had several questions about it so I just want to just let you know I think imaginary play just embrace it and they're not going to have an imaginary friend when they're 25 right and I think a phrase that Janet Lansbury used that I really like is rather than correcting like choose to connect and I thought that was like a good way to look at it is sometimes with say the score that's more of like the situation of no, I know that we won, but you, but as the parent, you know that they, you know, like instead of being like, well, no, you actually didn't just, yeah, use it as a time just to connect with them of like, oh yeah, how'd you, how did you feel about that? And just roll with that. And you can use that with any kind of, any of these situations, really. I think asking questions with curiosity is always the way to do it. So just like Felicia was saying, even when you make it light, oh, did somebody unbuckle? You know what I mean? Like you're playing along. It can be playful or it can be, okay, tell me about that dragon. Tell me more. I think anytime we can ask questions and connect, I really like that. Replace correcting with connecting. Beautiful. Mm-hmm. Okay, our last question is from Danny, and it's how to communicate with children around two to three years old during large emotions. How can we manage sharing and taking things away without meltdowns? And how can we listen to them without giving in and letting them take over and control things? Specifically, she's asking, what about when they boss others around using newly discovered words? So we're just going to briefly touch on a couple of these things here. Large emotions, I mean, obviously that's one of our favorite subjects. um, Because during large emotions, specifically around sharing and taking things away without meltdowns, I think it's okay that whatever boundary you set, that sometimes they're not going to like it. So you can say things like, you are really upset about that. Mm -hmm. I understand. And, Mm -hmm. And just let them experience whatever emotion they're going to experience. And... Again, it's letting them feel something without it having to make us feel uncomfortable. Or maybe more accurately, it's being okay with us being uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Really, that's what it is. Mm-hmm. Right. I think that when she says without meltdowns is probably like the what stands out the most to me. I think yeah. just like switch your brain and know they're two to three years old. They're most likely going to have a meltdown most of the time. Yeah. So that you, if they want to do something and they can't do it, they're probably going to have a meltdown. Mm-hmm. I think switching your mindset to say... Just get ready, kind of get your patient's skin <laughs> all fortified and then direct them yeah. because Yeah. If they pick up a marble that they're going to choke on and they're about to put it in their mouth, of course, you're going to be taking it away, right? Mm-hmm. Of course. And, they mm-hmm. and they're probably, probably going to have it. a meltdown. <laughs> yeah. And that's okay. Just, you really want that marble. I'm not going to let you have it. It's not safe. And just be okay with the meltdown that will ensue. Yeah. That's okay. I think that is the key because I think just taking away that expectation that if that's our goal is to be able to like manage these, you know, kind of these hard areas to be able to navigate and help them maneuver, they probably are going to melt down. And I think like taking that expectation that like the goal is to have them be able to handle these situations without those big emotions, they will. And I think it is just to remember that our job is just to, we can be like the steady force for them and acknowledge those emotions and just recognize that it's okay if they do. I think the key is too is that if we continue to be that strong force like over and over and over again and they might continue to test those boundaries a few times Mm -hmm. then like as long as they see that like every time mom is always like steady she's there she's not ruffled by my reactions I, I can be a safe place and maybe just let my emotions go I think the more that they're able to experience that they are going to be able to figure out how to regulate those emotions themselves over 
these simple, you know, things that they're working through. And I think, you know, with these questions, they're slightly abbreviated. So I'm trying to like flesh out exactly what you're asking. But then in the second part of your question, Danny, you say listening to them and not giving in and letting them take over control. And I do think that is really crucial that as they test this out and, you know, they're letting all these emotions out. I think a lot of kids do think, okay, I'm going to elevate this a little more. I'm going to throw myself on the ground now. I'm going to slam this cabinet now. I'm going to scream louder. And as they elevate this, I think it is super important to acknowledge. And I think that can be with your energy and your presence too. You don't have to say over and over again, like, oh, I see you're so mad. You're so mad. You, If that helps you, you can do that, you know, like acknowledge their, their emotions. But sometimes it's just being that calm energy. And yet we still aren't going to have the cookies right now before dinner and in a calm manner because I think a lot of times they elevate, they elevate, they elevate because they know if I get this loud, then I'm going to get the mm-hmm. cookie. My mom's going to give in. So as you hold those boundaries, as you meet their hand, like Joe Newman would say, I do feel like the expressions of the emotions naturally get a little more subdued, a little more subdued as you're meeting each other in that power. Yeah. Because they learned that escalating isn't going to help them get what they want. Right, right. right. You can just gently hold it. And I think this is also a good time to... I'm glad you brought up the whole taking over and bossing others around. Because this is an interesting place. Because children, as they play with each other, are experimenting with their own power. And as we know from adults, there are different kinds of people. There are people who are natural leaders. There are people who follow more they're in a group setting you're always going to have somebody who's going to kind of take charge none of us wants our kids to become the adults who just like plows over people and only does what they want right we also don't want them to be doormats and just like push over and do whatever anybody else wants so it's sometimes can be painful for us as we watch our children knowing that we don't want them to be on either side of the spectrum if we ever see them doing either one we start feeling a little afraid and maybe i'm just talking for myself here but i think that's the worry right as we watch them play out But just know that kids are just trying to figure things out. And so a lot of times, you know, things look a little bit more extreme. They haven't tempered those kind of parts of their personality. They haven't figured out what works yet. So I think in these situations, asking questions without shame is actually the most valuable thing. So for example, and specifically with girls, well, with anyone, but people just don't do this as much with boys. I think it's super important never to tell kids you are being bossy or things like that because again we're identifying it's like calling a kid a liar you don't want them to think that they're lying because you know what somebody calls a girl who's a bossy you know bossy pants really she could just be an excellent leader right Mm -hmm. so for me I never want to say you are being bossy knock it off but I think you can ask questions like say your kid is maybe a natural leader and they are totally taking over the game and you can tell the other kids are not liking it as I say that I think a lot of times in a group setting, that's a to a lot of people when somebody just takes over and just says, okay, we're playing this, you're it, here we go, three, two, one, go. So there's nothing inherently wrong with that. But if you can tell that other children are like hating it and they're losing friends over it, or the opposite is happening and you feel like your kid's being a total doormat and just being pushed over, I think this is the perfect time to ask with curiosity really just empathetic questions. So, you know, I noticed when when you were making the rules for that game and nobody else wanted to do it and they all started leaving, it seems, why do you think that is? And just, and not actually put it on them, but let your kid see, oh, 
they didn't like it when I didn't listen to what they had to say mm -hmm. in the game. Or I noticed that you didn't like when Sarah made you be the dog in the house in you know, like the little game you were playing. I noticed you didn't like that. But I also noticed you didn't tell her that you didn't like it. So, you know, how'd that make you feel? And you can even role play. So like next time, if you really don't want to be the dog. What can you <laughs> so for like I, in our last neighborhood, we had a little girl who loved being the dog. Being the dog was like her favorite thing mm -hmm. ever. So I think sometimes as parents, again, we're labeling the situation of like, wait, why aren't you taking the lead role here? So I think, mm -hmm. I think a lot of times we're just getting in it way too much more than we need to. I think a lot of times just letting them play out their own power plays and experiment, they're going to realize on their own, this is helping me with friends, this is not. But if you ever notice that things are getting extreme, like it sounds like she's saying she's worried about her kid being the one who's like really just plowing over other kids. There's nothing wrong with asking a few questions, but when they're really small, I mean, now that I'm looking at this, she's saying they're two or three years old. Those questions, I'm thinking more like four or five year olds. Which I think is a great thing to bring up because yeah. obviously she's gonna be four or five in a year or he. And also when they're when they're small kids, I think it's important to remember that same thing that we do want our kids to be able to assert their will to other kids, mm -hmm. to adults. There's a lot of uh, you know reasons safety wise around that. And so if you have a little girl who's you know somebody wants to give her a hug and she's like stop, don't hug me. We want them to it's be able to. It. Yeah, we want to. We need to respect that as adults and. If it's the tone of voice that she's using that you're not really liking, I mean, you can always, always model that. Model, please don't climb on me. I don't really want somebody climbing on me right now. You know, model those respectful tones of voice. And maybe in the situation, you can say like, oh, you really don't want him to hug you. I'm sorry. Annie really doesn't want you to hug her right now. So something like that where you're like modeling the tone of voice. And as I say that, maybe you don't even need to say I'm sorry because... It, you don't need to be sorry about that. You Just don't want somebody to statement. hug you. Yeah. She doesn't want you to hug her right now. You can model that more respectful tone of voice. We know that kids in this age range don't have any control over how they say something. They just say their emotion. But I think that is important to not label it as bossy, to allow her, your kids have those feelings about how the things that they would want and respect those, especially when it comes to choices with their body, for sure. Totally. Emma Watson shares the story of when she was little, she used to like to direct plays. And I totally resonate with this with my daughter. They like to make, they like to create movies and she likes to direct it. Mm -hmm. And Emma said as a girl, she's like, people always called me bossy. Mm -hmm. And why is that? Like if it was, and I mean, I know we're getting into gender roles here, but I don't think it's healthy for a boy or a girl to be told that their leadership skills are bossy. So I think it is important to just be aware of the words that we're using as they're developing their voice because if we tamp down their voice with our little and we say things like you expressing your own opinions, your own wants, what you're comfortable with, we want all of our kids, whether they're a, you know, maybe a reserved child or a really out there strong leader type, we want everybody to have voices that they feel like they can express their voices. And then yes, perhaps asking really kind questions about what works and what doesn't. If you notice they're going to the extreme on any end, let's just be really aware about the words that we're using and making sure that we're not saying things like, you got to stop saying what you want, mm -hmm. you know, because right. trust me, I know enough therapists to know that a lot of people end up as adults, either being on the side of, I couldn't say what I wanted and now I've lost my voice and I can't ever say what I want 
we never ever ever want to label our kids mm -hmm. and not allow them to express their voice and when they're two that might look like bossiness totally. <laughs> you know what I mean? yeah. for sure and there's and the cool thing about kids is they actually give each other immediate feedback yeah so a kid if they're not liking it if it's not working for them they're gonna like yell and run away right mm -hmm. you know what I mean so mm -hmm. your kids getting feedback immediately I tried this nobody played with me <laughs> you know what I mean when I did that so they're getting really valuable lessons just from each other and again you're within earshot like you can hear if something's not being safe mm -hmm. but I think those lessons are actually really important for them to learn and their peers can teach them that kind of stuff so I guess all I'm saying is let's just be really aware of the words that we're using and know that they are just trying to figure out in social dynamics where their role is are they a leader are they I, I hate to even use the word follower because in any group you can't have every single person being the strongest leader right, right? Yeah. so I don't want to say the word follower but maybe like a I enjoy going supporter. with follow, a supporter yeah. Yeah. yeah and there's nothing wrong with that role right. either right yeah. so they're just figuring out in dynamics and say in some things I like to be the one who steps up and takes charge of something right. And other times, I love it when somebody else takes charge. For sure. So I think you need to know both roles, and you do that by trying them out. Yeah, they're just experimenting with their own power and the power of others. So. Right. All right, these questions were so great. We had a hard time choosing. Remember, if you would like to send in a question for us to answer on a future episode, we love if you leave it in a review. It helps us, helps you. And you can also send them to us on social media. So thank you so much for sending these in. All right, let's find the magic. <coughs> <laughs> brown cows. <laughs>